0: Thank you for listening to Truth In Life, a concise Christian belief series. This class was taught on a Sunday morning at Christ the Word Church because we believe that God's Word is truth and that His truth should shape our lives. For more information on our church, visit ChristTheWord.com.
1: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we give You thanks for all Your goodness this past week and what You will do this week. Thank you for uh, giving us Christ the Word Church, this local, local church, to, to feed us, to nourish us with your word. I pray now as we get into um, more theology and truth of study of you, I pray that you bless it by your Holy Spirit, It'll cause us to engage and glorify you as we uh, head into worship, prepare us for corporate worship and for taking the Lord's supper. I pray this now in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. Good morning everyone. How's everybody? Um So how many principles and tenets of teaching have I violated so far? <laughs> Quite a few, actually, I think some of them are helpful. Um, we started with almost 70 people. What happened? Was it, is it me? <laughs> You're first. <laughs> Here's a micro, this is recorded. Why is it me? Just kidding. Uh, you know, I was, I was thinking, you know, nothing gives you appreciation for Sunday school teachers, like doing it. It is an enormously difficult job, Um, lots of hard work. And of course, when you're teaching, uh, thank you for your letter. Thank you. Um, It is enormously stressful. Whenever I do it, I'm always thinking, I wish I could teach like Matt French. I will never teach like Matt French. I love your teaching I really do Um, but you have all these different things people you admire and you're of course you're I'm in I'm in I'm responsible for you and uh, so it's incredibly challenging when you teach Um, I think most of the work I do isn't necessarily in (laughs) memorizing or teaching the flow it's it's I'm in your heads all the time you give me feedback. You gave me enormous, incredible feedback these last two weeks. I can see your faces. So I'm, I'm in your heads. I'm, I'm trying to think about what do you need? Um, and that's, I think that's, that's part of shepherding, and, but that also comes with the burden. So um, I'm, I'm upset that we're down. Like, this is important, I don't mean down as in emotionally, I mean down as far as numbers. Like, I don't know how we can go through the, 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 the eternal end of all souls and kind of just drone through it or uh, not apply it. That upsets me. So there's another violation of a teacher. You're not supposed to be <laughs> you're mostly upset. I'm upset. No, um, no it's, it's with uh, the things of God are glorious, but with that glory comes the burden. So um, we're going to. I'm called an audible. A change in in how how we're going to go forward. We are going to talk about eschatology today. It's going to be a is it a primer or primer? Which is it? I always said primer, but what did you say? Primer, right? Okay, it's a primer. I'm... All right, got some Southern <laughs> southern view. Okay, um, so this, we're gonna go, we are not getting super deep in this at all. In fact, if we're gonna go through eschatology, which is a study of the end times, you have to have a full class on it. And we have people in this group of varying interests so if you have a pretty good handle on end times this will be a good just reminder of the general uh, positions uh, things to look out for we are not getting super deep into this um, for the reason i just stated the other one is i one of the things that is proven is for learning to stick the stickiness of learning is the the audience has to be engaged somehow. Um, So we're gonna do something for the first, I'd say 20 minutes. And it's actually, remember I said, doing weeks one and two is just not doing it justice. We're gonna go back to weeks one and two, and I wanna hear from you. How has this affected you? You know, Sunday school teaching is meant to instruct our souls. And I'm pouring everything I can, humanly speaking, to get us to remember the body, um, the working on the car body analogy, doing everything I can to get that, this learning to stick. Uh, Good or bad, right or wrong, enjoyable or not. So week one was on heaven. And we talked about really setting up the, getting our minds thinking about Trying for us individually to grasp eternity as a function of time. And I gave you some examples how I've tried to do that. Talked about heaven, uh, what it's going to be like, as scripture says. And then, of course, yesterday we, or last week, we talked about hell. So, how has this affected you? I want to engage with, with all of us, you'll be helpful to everybody else as well. How has this affected you? How have you thought about heaven? How have you thought about hell? How have you thought about time as a function, eternity as a function of time? Um,
2: this week, well, we have a and this week, um, the curriculum that we're going through talked about how the Egyptians viewed um, the afterlife. mm mm-hmm. class and share that with my kids to compare the two because they had quite the questions and so it really made me think about it even more so and um, it's something that. that we discussed in class, it's now had my kids thinking, and they're young, they're five, six, and nine, to have them thinking about um, what I how I live my life today. Um, and one of the things that the Egyptians thought judgment was going to be like and um, how we should live our lives so that when we reach judgment, um, how that could possibly go for us. So that was really, it was just making me think about something that I really have avoided over my time. hmm
1: Okay. Yeah. So you said something, you said something that, you know, has been at the center of why I brought it so, so hard is there is this tendency for professing Christians to avoid it. Right. Other thoughts. Or did I waste my time and yours? Um, Speak up if, if you would, just it, voices coming this way.
3: front of my mind to help influence the way uh, uh, my motivation for sharing the gospel and, you know, and how that would look. Um, I tend to be more of an opportunist rather than um, just being out there like taking the, the like waiting for an opportunity to share the gospel, waiting for an opportunity to, to talk to people about sense that this could help motivate me to be more forthright
1: Okay. Be, you know what I'm trying to say. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Question is, how over the last 2 weeks has this influenced you your thoughts on time from the eternity heaven, the eternal destination of the believer, the righteous and hell, the eternal destination of the wicked unbeliever. Bronwyn? I think that um, what you said about taking the grain of sand to the moon and back and how long eternity is has influenced my momentary affliction. And Hmm. and also, what do I choose to do in this moment? Will it have
2: an everlasting consequence or is it something that I can disregard in light of eternity?
1: Yeah. Good. Help me out. Help me out. Gary. Well yep. from um, the comments up front, would it just be possible for you to give us a short restatement of what because we weren't able to hear, so one, it's been uh there's been opportunity to talk with the children. Uh, we are going through different views, pagan views of the afterlife, um, from that to evangelism and taking opportunities. uh, Thinking about this in the forefront of our minds uh, allows us to see the gravity of it and call us to action for evangelism. And then Bronwyn mentioned the concept of time and how long eternity is, uh, has helped shape the importance of what she does in the now in the time she has now that investment my words into eternity so somebody else i saw had their hand raised is going to help me yeah Uh,
0: i i think to go off ronald's point um are the actions i'm taking now i think i've spent most of my life trying to run away and escape from god's judgment realizing that one day i'm going to stand before the throne and so are the actions that i'm taking now Day in and day out for having my heart prepared for God, you know, so that I can go forth and, you know, share the gospel and witness well. Um, I, I think it puts, you had mentioned the word burden earlier, I think it puts a weight to the Christian life, almost as an impetus to do something. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. For your life to represent that, to have fruit or um, to show the, the goodness of God. And so I think there's a, a great weight that comes when you think about where you're. You know the three, the three things. You know that I'm there.
1: There, Kevin. I think that's an important point. Something I was trying to uh, provoke in the first week is how often do we talk and and encourage each other, spur on, whatever, whatever. How often do we actually talk about eternity? We talk about it in evangelism often, but throughout the week, how often do we engage and think about both preparing for heaven you know it's it strikes me that it's 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 fairly absent in our lives you know we talk about wanting to live for God you know in this life you know that I'd say for me that's what I think about is how do I uh how do I live for God now yes 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 I know about eternity I actually do think about it quite a bit but I do know the focus is can often be now and those who I'm responsible to and for but as it relates to talking with my wife or other brothers and sisters, I don't actually talk about heaven very much. So think I think Bronwyn brought up a great point, which is this whole, the exercise of trying to think about eternity and from a function of time should cause us to order our lives. You have something that is infinite without end and we have maybe 80 years, whatever, on average, to invest in that. And it's a heavy thing. You know, one thing I've always said, you know, the Christian life is full of joy, but it is, it is heavy. It's not just heavy with our sin. It's, we have the, lack of better term, the burden of having our eyes open. We have been brought alive. We see what the end is. The non-righteous are blind. They don't see it. So in one sense, they can go on through life kind of just, hey, cool, all right, well, there's difficulties in this life, but their eyes aren't open to, to that. Uh, You know, if you're like me, you you grew up in the evangelical church and everything's happy, 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 happy. If you don't love, if you're, if you love Jesus, everything's happy, 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 happy. And uh, for 30 years, I've been saying, well, I'm happy sometimes. And my joy is in Christ, but I'm not, I must not be that person. And uh, then you read the saints of old, (laughs) the honest ones, (laughs) I I do mean that, the honest ones, the forthright ones, you realize, it is the love of God that motivates us with joy, with hopes of eternal joy, and joy in this life, but it does come with incredible burden and difficulty. Our Lord experienced that. He learned obedience through suffering. So, one of the things, my provocative, yes, uh, I have to be careful with it, but one of the ways in which I want to teach is to get you to think about the Word of God and be honest. Even if you're wrong, be honest and God will deal with you. It's very helpful. Um... Other thoughts? Mary. And I think, thank you for saying, I think those who are faithful evangelizing others are faithful evangelizing themselves. In other words, they fear God. And so that and the love of God combined, that's what that's that's the motivation that says, I'm gonna go past fear of man. I have to tell this person. I have to tell this person. You know, what, what Mary, kind of what we're finding out through, through research, again, don't tune me out on that, I only use it a little bit, is the older professing Christian tend to be, even though as a demographic they're closer to eternity, they tend to be less engaged. So there's a warning for us, all of us, that as you get older, There can be a tendency for this, for you and I, to be less concerned about this, less focused on this. I know it in my 44 years of life how I have to be careful about this. Remember, my best friend, and we'll segue after this to to eschatology. You remember, actually I told you about a few of them, my first 25 years of life incredible number of deaths of those very very close to me incredible number Um, girl i had dated in the church committed suicide one of the best friends in youth group young men young ladies listen up it isn't for the the old it's for the young as well uh did I say my best friend? did I say my best? Uh, so there's three um, the young man in youth group, Chris Penn from Holland, and then a great family friend, uh, pastor evangelist um, two of them committed suicide, but one of them my best friend <coughs> was much like many of the uh, young men and women in the, um, in the church, grew up. Um, he didn't come from a Christian family, um, but he, he went to church with us, Adam Heaps and uh, had no father around, and uh, made a profession of faith, went out, he and his buddy went out drinking, early 20s and on Heather Downs, You know, perfectly fine, perfectly fine, perfectly fine, perfectly fine, until it's not. Um, that That is something we need to be very, very careful in the American church, where everything is so easy. Everything is saying, Jesus, 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 so happy, so happy, so happy, walk with God, happy, slappy, happy, slappy, happy, slappy. And... I think that's counterfeit you of course know I'm not saying that walking with Christ is not the most joyful thing in the world it is but it it does come with great difficulty with great difficulty they shall enter the kingdom of God okay last opportunity if I make eye contact with you I'll call you <laughs> Are you are you bidding <laughs> Sold <laughs>
4: God for certain things or promises and yet we don't use the means God's given us like We don't, we not preach the gospel to our own our own youth you know um, but I was just thinking like man just getting back to that not that I not that I don't hold to that but getting back to it because you get in a rut of just fine-tuning Certain challenges, certain encouragements, stressing certain things—whether it's disciplines, jobs, attitudes—even um, with you know, not just as a father but as youth leader, seeing traits of manhood, and not not really stressing a whole lot about heaven or hell or.
1: and make much of Christ that the common common not and not valuable but the shared sanctification of all believers is God refining more and more and more your exclusive soul confidence in Christ's righteousness for that day In that day, the Christian's only claim will be the blood of the Lamb, Christ's righteousness. So it it is this weird journey we're on that I'm always careful when I hear people talk about how confident they are. I'm not talking about just in Jesus. I'm saying so confident they are with no question whatsoever about where they're going. Some are, don't get me wrong, but there's, al- there's always something that strikes me. God gives us assurance, but the common, one of the common things Christians deal with is this refining, burning away of any other confidence in anything but the righteousness of Christ, period. That will be the claim of the Christian in that day, and it's a beautiful thing. Okay, all right, so the primer. How do you say primer in the south? <laughs> primer? <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> oh, I will. That will be my last joke. All right. Okay. So eschatology simply means the study of the end times. Uh, we're going to briefly cover the major major views of. Christian es- eschatology, post-millennialism, postmillennialism, premillennialism, preterism, has anybody heard that word before? Okay, a few, okay. And then we're gonna just talk about some of the tension and commonality between all those views. Uh, and so a couple practical points if we have time. Okay, so why should we care uh, we don't study a lot on this in, 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 uh, in Sunday school or in other venues, but it warns uh, the unbeliever of the coming judgment. Um, it, is a, it actually is a fairly major part of the biblical account. Um, of course, we're to declare the whole counsel of God, so we should not le- neglect this. I have neglected it. Trying to remedy that. Uh, Kevin Zellers mentioned this is a way to encourage others. Uh, It does help us with worship of God. And then, of course, when we're engaged in truth, that helps us. So, all right, you have those uh, four major views Again, this is, this is not in any great depth. All four of them really do focus on the main event, the second coming of Christ. They all, they put, as far as timeline, different, different times. Uh, most of it in respect to, you, you heard the millennialism, right? That's all, that's the thousand year reign of Christ. So, all of the major views of eschatology basically have different timelines of where, when Christ's second coming is in relation to the millennial literal or figurative reign of Jesus Christ. I think I've basically covered all of them in that statement. Alright. Uh, would you read this out loud so people in the back can hear you?
5: Then I saw an Hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and he threw him into the abyss, and shut it and sealed it over him, so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short, short time. Then I saw the thrones, and they s- sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection.
1: Okay. This is the first part. Mary, I'll have you read the second part in a second. But the uh, Revelation 20, verses 1 through 10, this is where a lot of the differences, interpretations that uh, different eschatological views are based on. So uh, Mary, read this loudly so others can hear.
4: Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. God and Madob, to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And And they came upon the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay.
1: Thank you. Thanks both, both of you. So again, the major views—they all focus on the chief event, the event, the second coming of Christ. Um, mentioned the significant focus. So, as it relates to timeline, the four major positions basically have different views on whether Christ's reign was a literal thousand years or a symbolic thousand years. And then, of course, whether his second coming uh, precedes, follows, or divides this period. So, premillennialism, there's two forms. This one says that Jesus' second coming ushers in or comes before the the thousand-year reign. This is probably 90% of what modern evangelicals believe. Um, So there's two forms. There's the classic historic one. This has been adopted by uh, many of the church fathers. In summary form, Jesus... Returns in the second coming, takes his believers with him. There's a thousand-year reign during which Satan is bound. That's all in Romans, our revelation. Satan comes on earth and uh, rebels for a period of time. Christ puts it down, raises all the dead for the preparation for the final judgment, and then a new heaven and a new earth. That's premillennialism. First one, that's the historic historic view. The dispensational view is much more modern, and this is the view 80 to 90 percent of professing Christians hold to. This is the Tim LaHaye, the Left Behind series stuff probably you've heard about. Uh, This view says that God works in two dispensations, now and in the future. They see the church and God's people of Israel as distinct parties. Um, This was brought forth in the uh, mid to late 1800s. Um, So, Christ comes back before the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation, and secretly takes the believers. You all know this as what? Rapture. Okay. Uh, Then there's the seven years. Remember, if you're familiar with this, you have seven years. It's split into three and a half years of prosperity. Everything's okay. And then uh, the second half is uh, very, very, very bad. Christ reigns for a thousand years. The Jews and the church are not necessarily the same. The Jews' political reign uh, expands. This is why often dispensationalists have um, strong political support for Israel. Um, Almost always see that. Satan's loose. Final judgment. New heaven, new earth. Amillennialism basically says the thousand year reign is happening now. And it happened with, with Christ, Christ coming, uh, and is, started with his, with his ascension. Um, and amillennialists, I'm going to do this every time. Amills. How about that? Is that all right? Um, They don't generally see this as a a specific thousand-year reign. They see it as a symbolic period of time. Um, Talked about that. Christ wins, beats Satan, sin and death. That's already happened. The victory is real. Christ has defeated Satan. However, there's still some residual, again, if you're... Strong in knowledge of this, you know I'm somewhat sloppy, but on purpose. I don't want to get because there's so many micro views within it. This is generally what Amills believe. There's still residual effects that are not fully seen. Uh, Satan's bound; his power is not totally gone away. It is diminished. Um, ushers in a new uh, new era of history. Satan no longer deceives the nations. The gospel goes out, and it goes out in great power. And this period concludes with all nations, representative of all nations, tongues, whatever, um, come to Christ. Not that everyone necessarily comes to Christ, but that all nations, and that there is scriptural support for that. It should be in your handout. Uh, this is where uh, life. The theology is born out in life. Again, there's there's deviations on the side, but Amils generally have the position that God's triumph is spiritual, and not necessarily material. Um, generally, Christians not expected to dominate within the cultures. Uh, Again, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to keep it in a category we can retain, at, uh, leaving here. Um, culture itself isn't redeemed, just those who we choose, God chooses to save. Mention that, mention that. Okay. So in summary, Mills believe, hold the position that Christ's reign is occurring right now, started with his ascension, and um, it's not for a definite 1,000-year year time. Uh, Post-mills, so post means after. Generally agree with a lot of the, the time, timelines of ah-mills. There are exceptions. Um, but generally agree that the millennium is going on now. Agree that the gospel goes out with power agrees, of course, with, with scripture that Satan's binding and is uh, briefly released before Christ's return. I gotta speed up. Jesus comes, the general physical resurrection of both the wicked and the righteous, final judgments, new heaven, new earth. Okay. How different? Um, Post mills, as, as they are te- they tease each other, post mills and ah mills. are the optimists. <laughs> uh, ah mills are, are not, that's what they call each other. But they, are, um, they have a different worldview on this and, and a, a bearing out of what they believe. that Contrary to the ah that Christians do have increasing influence on general culture. That it does indeed in- affect lifestyle and that, of course, Christians are to dominate and that it actually happens progressively over time. Okay, we all generally okay so far? Preterists, preterists when you just hear preterists, just think of past. Um, generally, they, they believe that uh, all most, if not all, of Christ's prophecies were fulfilled in the judgment on Jerusalem in eight, uh, 70 AD. Um, some m- majority uh, of the super believe that Christ's second coming has already happened. Um, and that's based on, and that's in your handout. So, um, I'm not going to go through the opponents. It's in your handout. Um, let's, let's move on. Um, what I do want to say about this is all of, all of the main, main views, I do think, have merits. Um, all of them have All of them have weaknesses. Um, that doesn't mean you shouldn't hold a position. Christ the Word does not hold a specific position. But I would advise and uh, warn against uh, what's called full preterism. Um, and that is believing that ever, all of Christ's, all the prophecies of Christ have already happened. I do believe this is contrary to Scripture. But there are some things that obviously, some prophecies have have been fulfilled. So Parts of preterism shouldn't be fully dis- discounted. Why am I finishing with that? I know this isn't necessarily s- super provocative, but I, I guess I, what I want to say is they do all have certain things that have merits. I'd also warn against the, the, the dispensational form of, of uh, premillennial view. Um, definitely errors in that but um, the point is it's clear we are living in the last days we've already read in hebrews those of us doing our studies um, we've already read this part that in the last days he's spoken to us in his son so he's that letter uh, you know, was sent 2,000 years ago. So we do know that um, this is part of last days and can be generally categorized as following Christ's resurrection and ascension. So this is what a lot of theologians, I like that they do this. Um, even if they hold a position uh, dear on a form of eschatology, a lot of them still say there is clearly evidence that part of Christ's kingdom has already come and there is still some to come. So the already happened and not yet. So part of Christ's kingdom, his promises, prophecies, his atonement act has already happened. Um, And then of course we know in the Lord's prayer, there is thy kingdom come, thy, so... Let's see here, so my final point there, all the four emphasize the already. Uh, dispensational pre-mills say not yet. Um, each of them do hold some some value. Oh, in 20 seconds. Um, fo... Uh, The encouragement is focus less on the specific order and more how these events affect our lives that doesn't mean you can't continue uh studying the order again that's part of the admonition for a full class on this Um, it shouldn't be just a theory so many people spend so much of their time on eschatology and it never translates into uh, a life of of greater obedience of worship so eschatology should Help us prioritize scripture references in your handout. So it should help us with priorities. This should help prepare us for the day. So we should be purifying ourselves. First John three. Third time from Mr. Zellers, this should provoke us to encourage and be encouraging that our labors are not in vain and be ready at any time to be found working faithful as a, as a servant. Um, and we, uh, we will receive a reward and that should motivate us. Okay. Sorry, that was fast, but Isaac, would you close us? Thank
0: you for listening to Truth in Life. If you enjoy this series, make sure to subscribe and remember this is truth to live by.